0: What is the perspective of like a CEO? Hello everyone, you're tuned in to the EO Inspire podcast series. We call it Pour Out What's Special because we pour our guests their favorite drink and they pour out their passions for us. Every entrepreneur has their story to tell and we're here to listen and learn from their experiences. Okay, JP. How you doing? We're here. Cool dude and I really Did appreciate you being here. Uh, I had the pleasure of going to your racetrack. How did you like that? I I absolutely loved it. It was really, really cool. And you were kind of teaching me how to use the car, well, my car, but also how to drive, I think, first. That's right. I actually didn't get to drive my car because you didn't feel I was ready. I think you're probably right.
1: We we needed a little bit of time. Before you let go of that car, we must
0: take it to the track. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to going back. We'll put some footage, too, of that experience because it was awesome. And I really appreciate you doing that. And I also got to hear like a little bit about you because it was a lala yeah and i got to basically crash the lala thank you to those guys yeah. that let me crash. thanks guys for letting him come, let, let him come. <laughs> okay and uh you have a really cool story man i mean i like i said we're doing five podcasts this is yeah. the fifth one uh and each podcast is oh that's a lot of pressure
1: man i'm the last one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh oh well, because it's cool i better bring it cool is
0: the <laughs> coolest one Cool actually is not one of the core values in global anymore, but we, oh, okay. we decided to keep it in the Philippine chapter. Okay. And I think that you're a really cool dude in a really cool industry, and I think there's a lot of stuff we can learn. But before we move on about, like, uh, about cars and about your company and about you, can we hear more about like, what you do exactly? How you got into the business?
1: Okay, so um, our... Um our company's purpose, our why, and this is important for me to start off with this, is is to make dreams come true Mm -hmm. for our clients, our employees, and of course our shareholders. So um, I start off with that because whenever we think about uh, doing different programs or activities for our company, we're always thinking about how it connects to people wanting to achieve their dreams, right? And um the our main company. Dreams? Yeah. Our okay. main company is a um motorsports events company. So we basically teach people how to uh drive motorcycles or race cars at the racetrack, right? So it's all about achieving that dream of becoming that race car driver, whether it's to become a professional race car driver or to just be one for the day. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing when you see these, um, we've started with young kids, right? Mm-hmm. As young as seven, eight years old. And it's crazy, last weekend at the races, uh, the Formula V1 races that we, uh, we build the cars and we organize the races, I had a 18-year-old driver show up, join the race, and he had just come back from one year of driving British Formula 4. What does that mean? mean? um, So you know F1, right? F1, of course. Then there's F3. Okay. So it looks the same, a little bit smaller, a little bit slower. And then there's a junior formula called F4. It's even smaller still, but it looks like a Formula One car. The point is this 18-year-old boy who had done a year of British F4 in the middle of the pandemic had come home, joined our race series, and I saw him for the first time in whatever, eight years. He goes, oh, Tito, you remember me? I said, yeah, of course. He said... You know, I got started in motorsport at eight years old because of you. My God. And this boy is, uh, his name is Eduardo Coseteng. He's the son of Jody Coseteng, who's like a legend in motorsport in the Philippines, is going to be the next... uh, Marlon Stockinger, uh, you know, going towards F1.
0: Oh man, so he's a promising
1: future. Oh yeah, for sure. And I
0: recall from your last line too that you yourself used to drive before you got into putting up a school and all this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, so um, I was an aspiring race car driver in my teens. And, um, you know, the the problem is as you uh, sort of try to follow that dream, uh, you go as far as you can until you run out of money. (laughs) And then I realized that um, I wanted to stay in motorsports. So how do you do that? Um, We decided that the best way to have money coming in, not going out by spending it in racing, is to uh, share our passion for motorsports with those people that wanna go racing. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the premise of how we started our race school. It was a hobby. It started off as a hobby business between myself, my younger brother, and my girlfriend at the time who luckily I married. <laughs> and um, that was 22 years ago. Dude. That, was,
0: that was 22 years ago. So yeah. your entire life you've been exposed to the industry, starting from being a driver towards wanting to stay in the industry. Did you ever like get like a corporate job outside of it? Did okay, you do something else different before staying in that industry?
1: So that's a really great question. And um, the answer is yes. And it's not a yes because I want to, it okay. was a yes, because I had to, I had no money. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, what happened is, um, I was growing up, uh, as a young boy in my teens and I was racing cars with my dad. My dad was a famous race car driver. Um, his name was Arthur Twason. All, all of you Tito's out there will know him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, what happens was, um, I raced cars with him. It was great. We went from go-karts to cars. We were racing in Subic. Amazing, amazing time, and then my dad dies. Mm -hmm. It was just super tragic. It happens um, almost overnight. And when I lost my father, um, we also, in the process, because of um, family fighting, uh, we lost our business. So I went from having the time of my life, uh, living in Forbes Park, racing cars, uh, to having nothing. Having to make money. Having to make money, yeah. right? And having to make ends beat. And it was crazy because um uh <laughs> we were so we weren't poor, but we were so down on our luck that you know, I, we had no house, right? I went from living in Forbes Park to living somewhere in the south. Um and um I wanted to stay in motorsports, right? I wanted to continue my career. Mm-hmm. So how did I do that? I Uh, I called all of my titos, titas (laughs) and all the friends of my dad right and um, I learned how to create sponsorship Mm -hmm. so uh, I was lucky enough to um, uh, put together sponsorship from Shell, sponsorship from Tag Heuer, sponsorship from um, Alaska Milk, of yeah. all the companies.
0: But you were raising capital, basically. I was raising capital. what, what were you gonna do with that capital? To so go racing, man. Races, to go <laughs> racing, to put to go up racing. races, to put yes. up events, to put up the school, because there's so much stuff, right? So, at that time, I
1: was um, 20 years old. I was, I just graduated, had no money, wanted to stay in motorsport, and sort of the opportunity to take the next step up was to drive what they call single-seaters. They are, they look like Formula One cars, but smaller. And slower um, but I was recruited to come and join a team right but I needed to come with a little bit of money you couldn't be like totally poor and just yeah. join so I, uh, I, I, put, I scrambled and put all of that together and I was able to continue my career in motorsports racing cars but I had to make money as well And that's where I had to actually get a job. It was so painful. But
0: but I did. What were you doing? Were you corporate? I I was corporate.
1: So what happened was um, uh, this multinational company had uh, come into the Philippines. And they were related to the products my dad was the importer for at the time. So um, I had a bit of background in those products. They were automotive paint products. So, you know, painting cars and Mm -hmm. stuff. So they recruited me and I went to work for them. Still related to cars in a way. uh, Of course, course, course. it has to be. (laughs) And um, what happened was um, I used uh, my my dad's contacts to um, continue selling these products for this multinational company. And I did that for about uh, three and a half years.
0: How old are you at this point this is after your dad this is after my dad passed away so I was probably
1: about 21 so I worked with them for about three years till about 24 24 and a half and at that time I had married my uh, my girlfriend my wife Jeanette and um, so I love you (laughs) and um, uh, we had uh, two kids by that time and we we kind of made a decision that we didn't just want to you know um, get by because we were just getting by right. Mm -hmm. Um, We wanted to either uh, go big or go home and what I mean by that is in 2002 we uh, took a trip to the US and with the last ten thousand dollars right that's that's like all the money we had $10,000 we basically blew it all on racing schools so she went with me and we she hung out while I was doing different racing schools all over uh, the
0: US racing schools like you learning how to drive yeah i was a student oh, so at this point you were going to be a driver yeah uh, well training I, to be
1: a driver i was a professional driver at that time but our idea was to go to all these racing schools around the US so learn what we can bring it home and it would be a all or nothing kind of gamble so it was cool. either it was either the race school, we would come back and it would fly or we would migrate to the U.S. and I would flip burgers and she would do makeup at Macy's, right? It was that kind of situation yeah. for us. And this was in 2002. It's crazy. Is there that, like, you know, a lot, of,
0: a lot of actors go to, like, L.A. and they're, like, waitresses or waiters by day and by night. Is there that kind of thing for people that aspire to be professional drivers? Like, they'd have, like, a day job, but, like, maybe at night they're, like, driving these fast cars or something. Is there, is, how does it work? Because I, I can imagine there's a small percentage of people that actually mm-hmm. get to a point where they can make a career out of being a driver, right?
1: Okay. So the misconception about motorsports, right? And, um, you know, it's because everybody watches Formula One. Yeah. And it's such a glamorous Which is getting life. so and big now, yeah, by the everybody's way. Everybody's got their Listening. own yacht. They all live in Monaco. Yeah. Very aspirational. You know, the, the, the joke of people that are involved in motorsport is if you wanna make a small fortune in motorsports, start mm-hmm. with a big one.
0: Okay, I see.
1: <laughs> and it's crazy because it looks fantastic on the outside but on the inside, the business is actually very, very tough. I'm sure. So um, just to share with you guys, um, I have a friend that's involved that owns Alema, Formula uh, a Lima uh, 24-hour team, right? They they go to Lima, they do endurance races and stuff like that, and um, you know, uh, he's struggling to make uh, ends meet
0: despite being a very prestigious race. Yeah, and, yeah, of course.
1: You know, they're talking they're talking about budgets of uh, millions of dollars a year, right? Yeah, that's yeah. their budget to run. But at it. the end of the day, they're like. Uh, how, how can I make this work? How do you it's make crazy. it work? Is
0: it the sponsorships that make it uh, uh, profitable? Is it the viewership? Like, how do you make um, money in that business?
1: I think, uh, I think we've been very, very lucky over the years to sort of uh, evolve our business from just training drivers. So we started off as just a company that trains drivers on weekends, right? Yeah. We would take a, a group of guys, like what you guys did at the track right we take mm-hmm. a group of guys come to the track awesome drive awesome experience by the way and people walk away and say hey that was great but how much money were they willing to pay yeah right? there's only so much so um over the years we figured out um that we would have to tweak that model if we were just gonna take people on weekends and charge x amount of money it just doesn't go very far yeah and our big break happened in 2003 so mm-hmm. one year after we we went all in
0: yeah that's what I, I got a little bit ahead of because yeah. uh you were you went to these schools to learn how to be a professional driver and now we're already talking about having the school so yeah. at what point did you did you hang it up or i don't know what the expression is well um and then you started putting up the school I, I was i was
1: racing at the same time when we wanted to sort of uh, run the school and professionalize it and grow it. So I was still kind of racing in the background.
0: Ah, so you started the school while you were sure, Still yeah. learning how to- Sure, so
1: it. on the weekends where we weren't racing, it was the race weekend for the school. My oh God, right? that's cool. it's crazy. Okay. Um, so the story is, it was like happening in parallel. And after mm. coming home from the US of, you know, doing a couple of weeks of uh, training as a driver, but we weren't there to get better as a driver. We were there to study, how do you teach people how to race right? mm-hmm. professionally? And we took that sort of curriculum, we brought it home, we went to all the different uh, race schools, um, Skip Barber, we went to this Andretti Speed Lab, we went to um, uh, this NASCAR, NASCAR experience. And, and the point is, um, when we came home, we had you know this super big idea of, bringing home uh, the concept of the race schools in the US to the Philippines and we had done about a year uh, of this concept and it hadn't gone anywhere and my wife and I were like man I don't know how much longer we can continue doing this right yeah. so in December of that first year this is 2002, this is 2002 December of that first year we started cold calling possible uh, sponsors, corporate clients, yeah. car companies, the key is the car company. You have to have a car company backing you. And um, the week of Christmas, right? You know, nobody's answering the phone anymore. We were, we were almost desperate, guys. <laughs> it's that kind of deal. Yeah. We reached out to somebody at Ford and we had literally, literally opened the phone book there was still a phone book at that time, right? Yellow pages, literally a phone book. And we were like, okay, phone number, call them up. Hey, can I speak to the marketing manager? Uh, Sorry, can I have the name of the marketing manager? And they'd be like, oh, why? Uh, Click. (laughs) (laughs) Call call back. back. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, can I speak to uh, this person? Uh, And eventually uh, we left the message and that person called back. And they said, hey, uh, I heard you guys called. Um, I heard you have a proposal. Uh, and we pitched that person on the telephone. And they said, hey, you know what? We might be interested. Why don't you uh, uh, touch base with us after the new year? Wow. And in 2003, the next year after the Next Christmas. year, right. This was, this was Christmas 2002. Yeah. You know, we called them on like January 4, bro. <laughs> Can we call them already? Yeah, yeah I, think in, uh, right I think they're in four in the days. Yeah. <laughs> So we called them up and we organized the meeting and um, we started a ten-year motorsport relationship with Ford. Wow! And to this day, right? Um, to this day, and it has now been—it's uh, now been seventeen years. We still work with Ford. Wow! That's crazy.
0: And that changed everything for you. Now it made the school viable. Yes. What about your career? At this point, you started that already before you were learning. You spent the last $10,000 you had learning from different schools. Why did you stop driving?
1: Well, I I think um, it got to the point where uh, I love motorsports. Um, I had been racing locally at like the top level of motorsports for a couple of years. Um, But it had gotten to the point where it was starting to become financially... uh, not viable. <laughs> it's an expensive sport. It, it, it was, and um, I guess the, uh, the last straw was in 2006 or 2007, so somewhere at that time. I had gotten myself from um, doing entry-level single seaters, and they were called Formula Toyotas at that time. Um, hopefully I can, f- I'll try to find a photo. Yeah, um, I'll post it here. And what happened was I was able to make that final jump into Formula 3, so there was a program at that time uh, 2004 to 2007 I was involved in something called Asian Formula 3 so it was a race series that did um, Thailand Malaysia China Indonesia Philippines and there was another country um, the point is uh, Japan and the point is we were running Formula 3 cars, and Formula 3 cars are the last step before you do F1. Mm -hmm. What do they look like? They look like F1 cars. How fast do they go? 250 kilometers an hour down the straight. Uh, They have all the aerodynamics. They've got slick tires. Um, And in 2007, I got into an accident in this car. My God. And. Going um, how fast? uh, The accident probably happened, we were doing about 180, something like that. It wasn't f- full on, right? Yeah. 180 is still 180. What happened the point exactly? is,
0: like uh, the car, did you flip? Did...
1: So, so the, the car in front of me, we were in a high speed corner and um, the car in front of me span out, he lost control. And I just, there was nowhere to go. So I went into him, right? But the point is, um, I was okay. I was, I had a, a, a small injury. Was there fire? Now, there was no fire in that accident, but um, there was more than enough damage on that car that uh, that one accident was about one and a half million pesos.
0: It's an expensive sport, man. So
1: so to to repair the car, it was one and a half million pesos. And in 2007, when you have no money, you're like, man, that's like... That's it, right? And I was married at that time and I had two kids.
0: And also at that point, the school is getting, obviously has that partnership with Ford. It was just,
1: yeah, it was just starting to sort of gain traction, right? So at that time my wife and um, uh, uh, she said to me, you know, honey, I love that you are living out your dream, but it's time to buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) And that that was it, that was was it. So um, that was my first retirement. Out of motorsport.
0: Why did you say first retirement? Did you get back
1: in? I I did. She she allowed me to get back in a couple of years later uh, when we had a bit more money, and um, we'll get to that in a second. But that was sort of my first realization that um, we really had to concentrate on the business because it would either grow or we would also have to just call it a day because it was it, it was going well but it hadn't scaled properly yeah, yet, yeah, right? I so we were making money. We were not, you know, in, in, before we had a car manufacturer, we weren't profitable, profitable. Yeah. We would make money, but it would just be enough to make ends meet, right? Yeah, I get it. So now we were making a bit of money, but it wasn't enough to really have any explosive growth. Yeah. So the idea there was you either continue racing and, you can have a great time or... Or
0: you specialize.
1: Yes. Yeah. And if you focus on the business, you can grow it. Yeah. And we just said, you know, we have to grow this business. And it might be more scalable too. That's right.
0: F1 is becoming
1: huge... It is. I mean, I'll tell you what it is, right? Huge. Um, you know what has saved F1? Netflix has... Um, b- before the uh, Drive to Survive series, um, the uh, viewership for F1 was going down. Ah, And the reason for this is when you watch the races, you see the same guys winning over and over again, right? It's Hamilton, it's uh, Verstappen, whatever, right? And what Netflix has done is it has given uh, focus on the character of the midfield and the backfield guys, who are probably as talented as the guys. Yeah, but in front.
0: people like champions. Like, I know. People but, like Tiger Woods. Like Tiger Woods is great for golf. they sure. They like champions. But Lewis Hamilton's done a lot for the sport. I but think. do
1: you know who is the most, um, the most popular team in F one today?
0: Hamilton's team, Mercedes. No.
1: Okay, so I'll give you a second guess
0: uh who is, Schumacher
1: no no okay so the, you think the most popular team I just is, think of the is Mercedes yeah Mercedes who is a, who would you think is the second best a Porsche no no For for F1
0: driver or no, no no
1: team team we're talking about team oh Red Bull so okay, Red Bull, yeah. right who would be the third I would think Ferrari or Porsche or like the most popular team in Formula One today McLaren.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Is it Mercedes own McLaren? No. No. McLaren McLaren
1: is Lando Norris and Ricardo uh, Daniel Ricardo. Uh. They are the most popular Formula One team, not driver, but team team. Team. Yeah. And it's because of Netflix. Uh. It's fucking insane, dude. So I have these uh, mugs. I'm going to send you one. I'm going to get them next week. Mm -hmm. They have um, racing. Oh, I like
0: that. What's behind you doesn't matter. In order to finish first, you have to finish. Don't fear failure; fear not having the chance. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. I like that.
1: And um, it's it's because we um, our race series is called Formula V One Race Challenge.
0: Now this is the this is the car you build. That's the car you build. Yeah, that's awesome. So you saw them racing, right? I did. yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
1: So that was the race last weekend.
0: Dude, how much does the do those cars cost
1: okay um so those cars how much we, is
0: lewis hamilton's car wow
1: um a formula one car chassis to build a chassis is probably about uh, close to 20 million dollars
0: jeez that's just the chassis that's just the chassis
1: <laughs> that why there's, the there's
0: just so much r&d it's all that carbon into... fiber
1: and r&d and you know all the parts that go into that are like made once or twice right yeah they make one and then they make like a spare and then that's it oh my gosh so everything is um, bespoke it's like having a bespoke
0: suit right yeah it's just it's made like completely you. personal
1: so they they make them they only make two of them a year and then they make spares mm. that's it
0: so a crash would be pretty devastating on the on the books
1: that's why you see it in the, in the videos, right? When somebody crashes, everybody's like, oh my god. Yeah, crash. exactly.
0: Yeah. But I think people really want to see the crashes, sadly. Of course. It's horrible, but like, that's what people want to see. That is the action, right? Yeah. That's the action. OK, so were okay we are So I want to talk. Uh, we talked a lot about F1 and about how cars work. Uh, I think what, what, what this podcast is about is about the theme of being cool and I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that have many passions. I have many passions myself, but we don't necessarily follow our passion. And so when we come across someone like you who gets to pursue your passion, your passion happens to be something really freaking cool. It's like, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that maybe they wanna pursue their passion, but maybe they don't think they can make a career out of it, you know? Is it worth it in the end? Okay. Could you see yourself Doing anything else, Um, if it made you more money, for example. Okay,
1: so great questions. And um, I'll tell you guys, um, all of my friends in EO, right? I ask, I battle with the question of how much is enough Mm -hmm. all the time. We had
0: this talk during your lava.
1: And um, the reason why I have this question is, you know, you work so hard, right? And sometimes you're on that hamster wheel it's just going around and around you don't know whether you're really making a dent in what you're doing um and 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 the point is um uh you could be doing other things right Mm -hmm. spending time with family going on vacation but no you focus on your business so um everybody looks at our business and they're like god you guys
0: are so lucky yeah it's amazing seems very glamorous to me Dude, it's been 22 years. <laughs> yeah. Freaking hard. <hardship. laughs> the first 10
1: years, right, was a super struggle. But dude, like, super I go struggle. into your
0: office, you have a view of the track, and you hear these cars whizzing by it, like, over 200 kilometers an hour. It seems like a pretty cool office to me.
1: It, it, it's cool, but again, the struggle to get from where we started to where we were cool. So... This bar is bigger than my office when we first started. My office when we first started was probably um, three meters by four meters. Is this 2002? This was in like, yeah, 2000, right? 2000, 2001. My office was a 12 square meter room Mm -hmm. where half of it was a mezzanine. (laughs) So if you stood up, you would bump your your head. Dude, it was B my wife and my brother, literally for years. And um, it, so the question is, would you tell other entrepreneurs to follow
0: their passion? If Ford didn't come through in 2002, would you still be at it somehow? Would there still be some other way if you it? If I didn't land
1: a corporate client in 2003, uh, a car company, I would probably have, would have struggled another year maximum two years and then I, I I probably would have said you know this is not gonna work out I'm gonna have to call it a day mm-hmm. and it's because I had a I had a kid at the time right yeah. I mean I had <laughs> I had bills to pay right Of course. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta make this work and um, um, it was about sheer luck it was also about perseverance mm-hmm. we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing And like I said, it was the week of Christmas. We were still calling people, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, three days after the new year, we were calling them back. It was that kind of situation for us. It was, we wanted to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, So what what people see today and when they say, God, you guys are so lucky. It was really because we wanted to make it work. Mm -hmm. It was the passion, it was the fire. And do we still have that? We do. But of course, nowadays, as an entrepreneur, we think about uh, things like legacy. Mm -hmm. What do you pass on? And because none of my kids at the moment are race car drivers. This is probably not a business I can pass on. So I'm trying to develop something else. I'm involved in real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the interesting things that has happened is I, instead of buying the Porsche 15 years ago, I waited. Mm-hmm. And I took all of the money that we made, and we—I always invested, always invested, Backing always yourself. invested. And in the last ten years, we've been very lucky to be involved in the um, real estate space. Yeah. So now I can afford the Porsche yeah. Turbo, and I'm happy about it. And um, um, hopefully, we're developing a business that we can pass on.
0: Yeah. No, that's a great lesson. Uh, it's all about passion, perseverance. And I think also that it's not always going to be glamorous. Like you said at the beginning, it took time to get to where you're at.
1: So for all of my EO friends <laughs> out there, right? And my wife my wife says this all the time. Um, we were the type of uh, entrepreneurs where at the beginning of our journey, right? Um, we're involved in events, right? And events, you have to have branding and you have to put up these tarpaulins of your sponsors whatever
0: mm-hmm.
1: dude we were the guys that were there at midnight tying those tarpaulins <laughs> to fences and stuff like that right yeah so we've gotten to the point where we know that if you tell me that oh sir we can't put up the tarp, I'm like dude I was the one that was tying that what are you yeah, talking you about you can do it I know it right yeah so um, what I'm trying to get at is if you have the passion you're willing to really put in the hard work, I think you can make,
0: you can make it work. your passion
1: work. Yeah. yeah, You can, if you really want to, but you really have to want it. Yeah, And that's why at the start of this uh, discussion, I started with the why, because that has always been our purpose. Mm-hmm.
0: To make dreams come true. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I completely agree with that. Okay, last question, okay? Go. Uh, This whole theme is about cool. I think you've displayed already to the audience as well as myself that you're a cool dude. But like, what do you think it means to be cool and why is it important for entrepreneurs?
1: Okay, so that's a great question. (laughs) And um, I think I'm lucky that I am in a uh, industry where being cool kind of just, it's part of the uh, overall package. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: almost a marketing I, there
1: too it, right? it is right yeah. it has to be um, <laughs> it's funny and I'll, I'll be very honest with um, uh, all of you guys out there um, I have a lot of self doubt doesn't show uh, I, I I think twice about a lot of the things that I do and I think that um, if um, if I were in a different situation being cool would be difficult Uh, I also think that um, that sometimes uh, trying to be cool becomes a facade which is um, necessary in certain businesses (laughs) and it's
0: not really who you are yeah so so would you say that being cool is more linked to being passionate? Yes, yeah. If you're being honest about what you're really passionate about, that's then... the coolest thing you can do, right? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And and what people perceive you as, right? In terms of, oh, this guy's super cool and stuff like that. It just becomes sort of like a offshoot of just showing
0: your passion about what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. I do too, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. I don't even think, I think even if you weren't in cars, which is a cool industry, I would still think you're a really cool guy because you're extremely passionate. And I think that's, I think that's the big learning here. Thank you very much. I love you. Thank Pito. you guys. I hope Woo. you guys enjoy this. And uh, this is the last one. So maybe we'll do another series in the future. But until then, thank you guys for tuning in. Cheers. Thank you, JP, man. Awesome discussion. Thank you. thank you. Goodbye.